episode of Smell You Later, your favorite podcast about smells and getting audited. Getting audited. Or not, because we are not <laughs> manifesting that. Yeah. And not getting invited to parties. <laughs> <laughs> I say that just because we were only mad about not getting invited to the Chanel Chance Diner. Which we knew we weren't going to get yeah. invited to. No. It's fine. That's okay. I went to the Chanel store. I smelled the new Chance. It's actually quite nice. Yeah. It's not as quote unquote feminine. Really? As the original. Huh. The I guy, love the original. Oh. Yeah. The guy working there was saying that a lot of men have been buying it. Really? Which I think is interesting. Shout out to men. Even though I was like, is it marketed for women? And he's like, yes, it is for women. Huh. Okay, wait. Now I want to smell it. Yeah. It was kind of nice. This, uh, Chance has a lot of flankers, doesn't it? I think they have four. Huh. Yeah. Because they've got all those fourth. colors. I love that fucking original. I should buy that. It is really good. It is also, it's good in a way... Because it just reminds me of being back in high school. Yeah, it reminds me of college. Yeah. So part of me is, I don't know if I need those memories again. But I, I also would not say no if they sent me a bottle. <laughs> now I'm going to go track it down because that sounds really intriguing. Yeah. I would like to smell all the flankers, I think is what me I'm too. trying to say. Yeah. I like all Chanel scents. Newsflash. I really like Chanel Allure. You do. I don't care for number five. Same, uh, but Carol loves it. It's an icon for a reason. Yeah. I get it, but also it's just not for me. Do they still sell Chanel Coco Noir? Because I love that scent. When we talk about like oh. deep dark roses, that is. I don't know if I've smelled that one. I don't even know if it's. I up remember anymore. Coco Mademoiselle. It is available. Soleil. <laughs> Was this the line you were just telling me about? I've never seen that. It's beautiful. No, they're more the square. Yeah. yeah, like the Dior bottle. I think Chanel number no. 19 is also one of the popular ones. I think. Well, shout out to Chanel. <laughs> Shout out to Chanel. <laughs> they certainly need our help. Maybe never be on their mailing list again, <laughs> despite having all of the connections to the industry. <laughs> oh, well, they're not the only people who make smells. No. <laughs> Dior also didn't invite us to. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyway. <laughs> Part of me is always maybe they just listen to the podcast and we're like, oh, no, not them. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? That's fine. It's fine. I feel like I, one, should not say this on the mic. <laughs> I'm just, let me not, never mind. <laughs> just, I need to cook this thought before okay, I start okay. talking my shit again. Fair. We love when you talk your uncooked shit, though. <laughs> I know. I don't know. I'm, I guess that's what I've been talking about all year. What does any of this mean anymore? Yeah. What am I doing? No, I feel that. What the fuck am I doing here? I feel that hard. Dude. Not like on earth. Just I feel both like this industry <laughs> that I love so much or this thing that I love so much. The idea of beauty and expressing yourself and all of that. And, like, I don't want to go down this negative-ass road again about any of this shit. That's not what I'm here to do. Like, beauty should make you feel good and feel happy and powerful. And I guess I'm just, I don't know. I You're also deep on the business side of things. Yeah. You are just constantly hit with the insider stuff where I'm on the outside of it at this point. So I can choose not to look at it if I don't want to, which mm -hmm. is nice. It's great for your mental health, but not great for your finances. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's You know what I found out from my inside, I don't know what you call it, my plug at Forbes People have to pay to submit to the 30 under 30. Oh, I'm aware. Because I've written the pitches before. What? Mm -hmm. That's, everything's rigged. Oh, I got to cut all that. I everything's that rigged. <laughs> yeah. And I also recently discovered that the New York Times bestseller list is rigged. So let's get you on it, so girl. So I can rest easy. <laughs> Honestly, that it brought me comfort because I was like, oh, so if I don't get it, it just means like I didn't know the right people. That's great. Awesome. You'll, you'll get it. You're famous. <laughs> I'm not. I've been like, thinking about your book a lot lately. Really? Because I, I haven't. I oh. should be. <laughs> <laughs> I really should be. Because <laughs> I haven't. 
there's only so much shit I can worry about. And at this point, it's just just worry about the content. That's my job. And if any business fuckery needs to be dealt with, that's what agents are for. I feel like the universe put me in front of you today to like hear all of that and to see your <laughs> shirt that says avoid overthinking by not thinking. <laughs> I've had sort of a rough week, as you can tell, by me hanging on by a thread and then they plot me in front of Sable being like, none of this matters. I'll I, worry about what I can. I love this shirt so much. It's really good. It was given to me by my favorite content creator slash person on the internet, Flex Mommy. And uh, I don't know if she coined the term. She's Ghanaian Australian. And I think in Ghana, there's a cultural concept like big enjoyment. So life is meant to be enjoyed, mm-hmm. which I love personally. She she does a lot of critical thinking and critical analysis or mm-hmm. cultural analysis with under the lens of big enjoyment, which I really love. Oh, sick. I yeah. love that. So she has like a line of t-shirts that say funny things. And of course, I liked the avoid overthinking by not thinking shirt. Mm-hmm. And whenever I wear it and I walk down the street, people give me the dirtiest looks. <laughs> And I'm like, I know who's been hustle culture pilled. (laughs) Me. (laughs) That's so funny. Yeah. I wrote something on my Substack about how I'm not an early bird and I'm not a night owl anymore. So I don't know what bird I am. (laughs) And I was like, why do we have a bird binary to determine the types of people we are? Like something's up. Something's up. I've become more of an early bird lately. I've been getting up earlier and running before work. Ooh. Which is insane behavior. Does it feel like, do you feel better though? No. (laughs) (laughs) See, I wish if I was the type of person who felt better with exercise, then I would do it, Mm -hmm. obviously, because it's ostensibly free, but I do not. I feel worse. I feel tired and exhausted and just, no. I do feel good after. I go on my walks. I do a lot of walking. Yeah. (laughs) I live in a fifth floor walk up. That's my exercise. That's true. Several times a day. Me panting every time I walk. Because I'm always forgetting something. Right. Speaking of your beauty villain era. (laughs) My galaxy brain era. I feel like I'm the Professor X of beauty because I think too hard and I'm bald. (laughs) (laughs) We're somehow connected to all of the beauty writers and influencers via Cerebro, aka Instagram. And... (laughs) Can I tell you the most embarrassing story? Then we can get into it. Speak of being connected to beauty writers. I went to text my coworker about a a, a rough week that I am having at work. And I was at my computer so I can like really bang it out. And I sent her this like blocks and blocks of text just being like, "Ah." I look and I accidentally sent the entire thing (gasps) to Star Donaldson from Birdie. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so humiliated. What? <laughs> she was cool about it, though. Anyway, yeah, speaking of being connected to all beauty writers That's everywhere. so funny. Anyways. Anytime I've misfired a text, thankfully, it's never been to the wrong, the person you don't want to see it. Oh, it has been for me. Thank but, God. Yeah. But it has happened to me before. Right. And honestly, the satisfaction of knowing how stupid they feel is good enough. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, all right, I'm, I'm sorry you did that, too. Sorry for you. But right. <laughs> not for me. This is hilarious. <laughs> You were yes. on a beauty sitcom. This I was week. recently. My last little foray into professional beautying with with Ulta and Allure. They did. We just did like a live stream with Ulta. They're like demonstrating the Pat McGrath makeup because now you can buy it at Ulta. Mm-hmm. And it's just so funny how much production goes into this stuff. For it's like a cooking show. Mm-hmm. Everything's prepared in advance. All of our makeup is done in advance. And mm-hmm. then on the live stream, they're like patting on one shade of eyeshadow, and they're like, "Look at this impact." Which true, yes. There's a lot of impact. Yeah. But I was like, this is why they make it look so easy on TV. This is why everything's a farce and a production. And there's five cameramen. 
Right. This is a multicam show. Well, and it's like anytime you do anything that close to a ring light, it's going to yep. look good. It's it's such an allegory for, I feel, the perception of beauty. Yeah. Because behind it all is the set, mm-hmm. the cameras, the makeup artists, all of the pre-production, all for one seamless, beautiful image or video. Totally. And it's Pat McGrath, like you were saying, and which is Pat built. McGrath. I mean, it's beautiful product, but yes. it's like it's built for the ring light. Yep. It's it, it looks mm-hmm. good in person, but it's built to sell on Instagram. Exactly. So. Yeah. And I was like, was wow. Mac Joseph on that producing that? No, yeah. I was hoping he was going to be the director because he was the director for the other ones. Yeah. He's so cool. But I think he was busy with Vogue World or something. Sure. Yeah. How was it though? It's fine. Yeah. And it's crazy because you get the call sheet and it's get there six hours before the live stream. And I'm like, why? Yeah. Why? Jeez. And we actually used all of that time. Really? Just like in between getting everybody into hair and makeup. Wow. Like it, they actually did use all that time. And I was like, damn. It was you, Hannah Baxter, and... Kayla Graves. Kayla Graves. Yeah. Sick. So... What I a mean, lineup. It was fun. Mostly I was just like, as soon as I get home... I am invoicing, <laughs> but it was a fun project. You all looked amazing. It looked like you were. Having I wish fun. I could. I wish I could have taken the makeup home, but uh, no. I can't believe you didn't just steal it. I should have. I honestly should have. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it did make me think of like the thing I love about fragrance is that it's just as far as beauty goes, it's just purely expressive. Yeah, there's no correct way to smell. There's mm-hmm. no correct way to wear the smell. Mm-hmm. It's truly up to you, but I think everybody thinks that there's a certain way you have to do things based on anything else beauty yeah, totally. beauty related because there's always apparently a way to do things yeah. the correct way, yeah. which even now we learn more and more with makeup. No, no. it's really up to you. Yeah. Everyone has a different technique and even fragrance. Everybody has a different technique, but it did make me think, wow, working in makeup is fucking exhausting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> working in fragrance, however, is great. <laughs> I can wear whatever I want. I don't have to worry about I have a pimple or anything like that. I just get to smell the smell I want and have it be that. I was like, y'all are exhausting. Y'all should get into fragrance. So I wasn't able to watch the live stream because I was in Montauk for the 30th time with absolutely no reception. But <laughs> was there a fragrance arm to what you shot? It was all about no, Pat. Okay. It was just Pat. Okay. Pat, Pat, Pat. Yeah. It was funny because like the whole time they're like, everything is shoppable live. <laughs> like we really are like a little QVC or That's HSN. So cool. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So much work goes into that stuff. I think it's. I think they're gonna have the live stream exist on allure.com somewhere. Oh, cool! Like it's like the recording is still somewhere. Nice. Okay. I don't know where. I'm not paid to know where, so <laughs> I don't have to. <laughs> I will track it. <laughs> you can't hide anything on the internet from me. I'm gay. <laughs> <laughs> also, me. I'm a girl. <laughs> yeah, yeah. True. Wait, our powers combined, we are more powerful than the FBI. It's true. I think the FBI should just hire gays and women. Right, exactly. <laughs> and just give them They'll find the culprit in like 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, with nothing but an iPhone. Yeah. It's like found a spinster. There he <laughs> yeah. is. We hacked it. We already done the loyalty test on him. <laughs> anyway, Tynan, what do you smell like today? Today, I am wearing what I sort of touched on last week, but didn't really go into. I am wearing, I got to be honest, girl, I don't know how to say this, all fair. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you're on your own, dude. Okay. All fair. A L T H A I with an umlaut over it. R. All fair. I don't know. From okay. Parfums de Marley. This is quote unquote for men. And it is not in their vaguely hourglass shaped bottle. It is more of a rectangle. And the cap, I swear to God, is heavier than the bottle. Anyway, all that to say it's for men and it shouldn't be because one fragrances shouldn't be gendered two 
This is so good that I think Ooh. everyone should wear it. Every- I still have never fucked with the Parfums de Marley. They need to. They do like- email me. Okay. And I just never respond, to okay. be fair. They need to pull up. Parfums de Marley. Problem. What's good? <laughs> they sent this. They pitched me this and it's an amber vanillic. Vanillic. I don't think, that's a, I don't think that word's allowed. Vanillic. They're pushing it, but okay. an you amber, get it. <laughs> an amber vanillic woody and... They call out bourbon vanilla as a big note. So I was like, why don't you just send that over? And I, it is so satisfying. It certainly pays off on the promise of what it was supposed to be. The top notes, you got some flowers, some bergamot, cardamom, and cinnamon. In the middle, it's vanilla Madagascar and Elemi. I, sure. Sure. And then the base is Ambro Fix. They're just, they're just taking some liberties here. Yeah. Gayak wood, praline, and musk. It's gorgeous. It is a big, soft warm vanilla bomb mm. but to me it's funny that there's no leather moment in this there is there are a lot of woods mm-hmm. but it's very suede and soft on me Ooh. while being sweet from the vanilla and i really like it because it is very grounded by all of these soft textural woods and the idea of leather even though there's none in it i realize but it's also not doing that to apologize for the vanilla, nor is it afraid of being sweet. And it's just just this really nice balance of sweet and soft and warm. And I don't want to use the word masculine, but it mm-hmm. does have some structure and firmness to it. I really enjoy it. And it's also one of those fragrances that, let me not contradict myself here in the same sentence, but you can pull the notes out of it if you just so choose. But they do all melt together to be one thing that hits you in a big like puff of scent all at once. Mm-hmm. It's just really nice. And I'm happy to see that one, people are still putting on more vanillas. And two, this wasn't a vanilla, but make it man. Or <laughs> vanilla, like the vanilla of toxic masculinity. Yeah. It's just like vanilla for guys if you want it to be or for everyone. I think I wish this was whatever. Try it. <laughs> it's don't gender your perfumes and everyone should try this because it is really that good it's i've been going back to it every now and again really pleasant really enjoy wearing it it's just one of those ones that's like they yeah they nailed it i nailed it for calling it in and wearing it i'm afraid to ask how much it is i'm afraid to say <laughs> it is i'm gonna say it's like between 350 and 450 so it tops out at 350 the 125 mil is 350 the 75 mil is, is 250 again 75 milliliters why not just 100 i don't know what's the deal what is the deal what is the deal but yeah i called this right in and they were like we would love if you were to talk about it on the show and oh. that is not why i'm talking about it but it is nice to be recognized for what we're, what we're good at. Shout out to them. Yeah, whenever I get offered perfume stuff, it's never because of the podcast. <laughs> I know. <laughs> which is so funny because I'm like, how many beauty people have a podcast about none of them. Just Literally, us. none of them. Oh, it's great. <laughs> Sable, what do you smell like today? Okay. Once again, my sinuses are failing. That's neither here nor there. <laughs> okay. It's, it's just my eternal struggle in life. I don't know what one does after taking so many steroids and <laughs> having it fail <laughs> three weeks later. Sable's juicing. Kind of. I'm about to be. I don't know. I have an I have an appointment with my ENT on Monday, so I'll just be like, what's the deal? Yeah. And he'll probably just pump me full of more steroids or tell me I have a sinus infection, which honestly, either one. Yeah. At this point, I don't care. Right. But 
I get it's like a it's like a fluorescent kitchen light. It just like, blinks on and off throughout the day. So at least I'm like, well, at least it's not COVID. Yeah. And I tested myself for it's not COVID. Good. So it's not it's not a neurological loss of smell. It's just my inflamed sinuses. Yeah. But I received a Margiela replica mailer this week, just in time for autumn. It is surprise their autumn vibes scent, which is not new. I want to say they released it two years ago. I was going to say two years old, yeah. Maybe the candle's new. I think the candle's okay, new. Okay, so they sent like the candle and then the fragrance again. And I smelled it and I was like, ah, I remember you. And I sprayed it on today and I got, like, as we were recording, I got a couple whiffs. So I was like, ah, I saw you it. getting those whiffs. Yeah, I was like, I what's was like, you doing over there? Yeah, I was like, <laughs> can I smell it any? Yeah. Okay. And I remember my initial reaction to it when it first launched. I was like, oh, this is just like a Santal 33 dupe. Yeah. Which is not even true because it's still expensive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a little less expensive than the Lavo, but it's, it's more, it is very Santali, but it's has a more muskiness to the dry down. And there's a little bit of a, not a sugary or creamy sweetness. Somebody on Fragrantica described it as like the sweetness from carrot. And I was like, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I know like carrots can be sweet. So it's, I don't know how, it's like a vegetal sweetness, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense to anybody. Sweet? A tiny bit. Okay. It's almost, it's not even like a sweetness in itself. It's almost just like a texture, yeah. like a softer texture. It's not as like dry, santal, crispy wood. Because it ty- reminds me of, yes, the smell of a conceptualized version of autumn. It almost, it reminds me of damp leaves and like crunchy leaves, mm. if that makes sense. Mm. There is this damp earth quality to it. I don't know, but... It also, when I was like smelling it earlier, I was like, this reminds me of in the post-Santal fuckboy craze. The next era is the autumn vibes fuckboy craze. It's like dating the soft boy who masquerades as emotionally intelligent, but is still West Elm Calebing you. Yes. <laughs> but he wears better designer fragrances. <laughs> right. You know what I actually think it is, and I never really got here until just now, is there are original two that are very woody, both by the fireplace and... Jasco? Yes. Thank you. And arguably the library one, too. Something in the library, whatever. Okay. All of their approaches to woods previous to this one are very sweet. By the fireplace is great, but it is a very sweet, hazelnutty, woody scent. Yeah. And then Jazz Club is super boozy. It has that rummy sweetness. And then the the library one is, I don't know about books, but this is, to me, in contrast to those, very, a lot drier and a lot less sweet. Yeah. On its own, you're right, it does yeah. have a little bit of skin sweetness, but yeah, so I think this is their answer to a more Aesop approach, for better or worse. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like that, like, really watered down ambery sweetness, because mm-hmm. it's not, it's not, it's not really strong, I don't think. No, but it's not. It is pleasant. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like if you wear it, a lot of people are going to think you're just wearing Santal 33. I don't think that, I don't get that from it. It just, it is so woody to me. It gives me Aesop. Mm. Aesop to me is even drier mm-hmm. and crispier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. Sweetness from a carrot. I'm going to be thinking about that one. Yeah. Cause it is funny because the first Fragrantica comment is in all caps, do not buy this if you're not a fan of Santal. Really? I love Santal 33 with every fiber of my mortal body. It's funny. Maybe. I can't stop smelling sable. Mm. <laughs> it smells nice. It does. No, it does. It, it is does. nice. I do like it better than Santal 33 because mm-hmm. it has a little bit more complexity to me. Some may argue, but not with me. I think, and I love the replica collection. I always have. Yeah. But 
I got plant vibes from this. Industry plant vibes. I think they're, and this is said with no judgment whatsoever, <laughs> I think they are getting a little bit more uninspired and a little bit more commercial. Agreed. Just to sell, yeah. which is fine. They're a business, but they are so successful that I think that they just want to yeah, keep Yeah, they have to more, keep up with the you know, demand. Which is fine because this one, Autumn Vibes, okay. It's, the name it, feels very first thought. Yeah, very first thought. Yeah. So, so sort of does the fragrance because it doesn't give me like yeah. a memory or like a time and place. It just gives me. Yes. And maybe, that, that, maybe that's a me thing. That's my perception. But also the one that is coming out, I think it's called Under the Stars, and if I'm not speaking out of turn, I think it's like oud and leather. That I, one I want to smell. I do too, but I'm also like, what are we doing here? Is this just another slice in the fragrance hmm. wheel that we're trying to fill? And if so, that that's fine. That one seems more conceptual. Does it? Autumn vibes feels very much... This one, I said it feels like an industry plant because Suntal is so hot right now yeah. that this just feels like this is their answer to feeling that trend i don't disagree but then something like on a date which like personally wasn't for me i was like okay you're getting back a little yeah, bit more into I agree. the original mo that wasn't for me either but i did yeah. really enjoy it i like the concept yeah. but it wasn't for me i think autumn vibes seems and i'm i guess i'm parroting what you said is it feels rushed as well yeah like first thought in every way and like okay just put it up like vibe i think i guess because the word vibes it's is so, so dated like, colloquial it's so in our like day-to-day -day slang that it doesn't feel like a designer you fragrance. might as well have named it like it's giving autumn yes <laughs> you know what i mean like talk to i me. really want to see it's giving autumn on a replica fragrance <laughs> no, do you want to see it in a fucking pr email because i have it screenshotted right oh here. oh my god that's so funny don't read this out loud i know <laughs> who wrote that no but oh, who who oh i don't know i got that email too i don't know oof <laughs> oof wow but well. Yeah, I'm like, how far are we going to go with the trying to be like, hello, fellow kids? I have always, like I said, I've always loved replica. I, I love so many of their scents. I love Matcha Meditation. Yeah. I think that that one freaking nailed it. Yeah. I do love, what were the first ones you said? By, By the, the Fireplace. fireplace. Love that. The lips, did they discontinue the lipstick one? Lipstick I on, they, I think so. Dang. I really liked that one. If I they, even like Beach Walk. Yeah. No, they're all really good. I Even the ones that aren't aren't for me are great. And listen, I think if they have to play the corporate game to get the capital to mm -hmm. keep doing what they're doing yeah, so and be it. have some hits and have some that are just to print money, I think I'm okay with that. I don't yeah. know. It's not for me to decide. But I like them so much that I'm like, whatever you got to do to keep the wheels in motion. Yeah. Who cares? Fair. And it's cool because I feel like until, and for obvious reasons, until they went into Sephora, they were like fragrances best kept secret. Mm -hmm. And now I think people talk about Jazz Club. Maybe they talk about maybe Santal. Oh, you're wearing that. But yeah. it's it's good. I it's feel popular like, yeah. for a reason. Leave them alone. It's like the burritification yeah. of another brand. Yep. Because burrito, burrito, burrito. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, burrito was like one of those if you know you know brands, yes. and now it's a mainstream. Don't say. But wait, what, what? What do I always say? What do I say? <laughs> I don't. You say a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone wants you to get the bag, but no one wants you to sell out. Exactly. You know, you can't you have to keep? I don't know. I don't know anymore. I don't know anymore. Anyway, <laughs> speaking of something that has nothing to do with fragrance. <laughs> Wait. And everything to do with oh what I don't I just oh should we segue no oh no I'm gonna be honest I have no idea what you're gonna say I was so. gonna segue to the episode go ahead okay <laughs> well speaking of nothing that has to do with fine fragrance <laughs> we have another uplifting episode of smell you later <laughs> 
that. Uplifting for me because I think it's, I really like when we have unconventional yes. guests yes. Yes. that examine areas of scent that most people don't think about. Yes. So we have Liam Findlay from Aroma Prime and Aroma Prime is a company that creates experiential scents and immersive scents for amusement parks, theme parks, museums, attractions, all the places you go that you don't think about smelling, mm-hmm. but do. Mm-hmm. There, there are people who make those smells, and Liam is one of them. Mm-hmm. So we are going to talk to him, and he's going to tell us all about that, because I have so many questions. Yeah, Liam <laughs> is also working on, reason we got here is because he is working on, not working on, he wrote a children's book that incorporates scents into the experience of reading it mm-hmm. in a really cool way, which he will tell you about. Uh, the book is called Doomtown Dummies. And by the time this episode drops, it will have been out for one week, but it is available everywhere you buy books online yeah. or just online. I don't know. But we will share the link when yes. we post this episode. And yeah, this is a really fascinating conversation. And I had no idea what to expect, honestly, but I enjoyed every second of it. And I think the listeners will too. As do I. Let's just get to it. Let's dive right in. 38 (laughs) minutes later. Okay, my name's Liam, and I am what I sometimes call a themed scent consultant. And I work for, I change my title depending on who I'm talking to and (laughs) whatever makes it easiest to explain. (laughs) And I work for a company called Aroma Prime, which for 50 years has been making unusual smells for theme parks and museums and all sorts of immersive experiences. That's so cool. cool. Yeah. I I feel like I already have so many questions for you. But the first one we always start off with is, Liam, what do you smell like today? Mm, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I smell of soap because I've been washing my hands. Nice. Nothing very exciting. (laughs) No, that's okay. We find all scents exciting here. So there's no wrong answer. (laughs) Oh, good. So I I don't know. I guess I just want to start off with maybe... The most obvious, I know that you just explained it, but top line, what sort of, when you say you do sense for museums and theme parks, what does that look like in, in practice if we're going to any of those things? How will we experience those? It varies a lot depending on the experience in question, but if it's a roller coaster, for example, there might be a smell in the queue to evoke some anticipation and excitement or maybe some anxiety. (laughs) It might be in what's called a dark ride, which is when you're on a cart that passes different scenes at a theme park, and then smells in that instance can be used to hit different story beats and make people feel certain ways as they pass through a story. If it's at a museum, it might be to immerse people in the past. It might be a kind of recreation of a historical smell that they can sniff to attempt to transport themselves back in time. Or maybe it will be unpleasant smells, for example, to create a sense of empathy for some kind of unpleasant situation that people went through. And then similarly, or similarly, in Halloween scare mazes, lots of unpleasant smells will be used as well to trigger very familiar, unpleasant feelings associated with those smells to make people feel a bit more scared and uncomfortable. And then it's interesting that some of the smells that we use in theme parks and museums can also be used in care homes to bring back fond memories for elderly people and people with dementia. So... It, there's a wide range. <laughs> wow. 
Yeah, I remember reading something about how in care places where they're treating people with Alzheimer's, they will scent and color different hallways so they know how to get around the people who have very short-term Alzheimer's. And it they see a marked improvement in memory and focus. Yeah, I, I haven't been involved in that myself, but I did see something similar about smells helping with navigation. And actually it linked at theme parks sometimes will use smells to affect crowd control and where people are walking. There's a castle in Wales that has a medieval toilet with a kind of poo smell, which is meant to be entertaining for children, but it's also in a kind of narrow walkway. So it means that people aren't going to crowd there too mm. much. Oh, wow. Um, I suppose they're not diffusing poo smells at care homes, but <laughs> it's a similar idea. Wow. It's funny because our show deals with all types of scents, but a lot of it it revolves around perfume and or at least things that smell nice and beautiful but it's funny that maybe not a lot but some of what you do is maybe the opposite creating these scents that are supposed to be a little repellent or scary how do you approach creating something that is meant to be the opposite of Mm -hmm. pleasing Fortunately for me, because the company is so old, there have been previous uh, generations and uh, decades of people working on these horrible smells. (laughs) So I've not had to uh, get my hands dirty, so to speak. I know that we've had otter poo and jaguar urine posted to us in the past. Wow. um, So that we can get direct references when mixing different elements to try and get a good match. And Sometimes it would just be about reading. So if it's a historical smell, the smell of a Viking hut, for example, then we'll probably be in touch with a historian who knows about maybe the activities that went on in the hut and the food that they ate and maybe the animals that they had around. So we can go by present day smells that are somewhat unpleasant to recreate those historical stenches. That's so funny. That is Are these places mostly in Europe? Because you're based in the UK. Yeah, most okay. of our customers are in Europe, I would That's say. That's I thought, because anytime I've been to a theme park here in America, I'm like, we don't have that. <laughs> then again, the last time I was probably like a child or a preteen, so that was ages ago. But maybe Disney's really upped it. They'd have to with those ticket prices. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there are a few kind of uh, very popular classic smells that people were quite nostalgic for with Disneyland. And sometimes they're intentionally added, like in um, the Pirates of the Caribbean ride, they have the smell of rum and cannons and that kind of thing. But then Pirates of the Caribbean also has a water smell, the smell of the cleaning tablet that everyone's really nostalgic for as well. Yes, it's always that like indoor pool smell Mm. that makes me so Mm. nostalgic for just like fun summer activities. Yeah, you've got people making candles in parts of the Caribbean water. (laughs) That's so so weird. (laughs) All right. I'm sorry if this is like a corny question, but what off the top of your head would be some of the most interesting or unexpected briefs that you have received first sense you then had to create let me think what oh we've worked on it's hard to say because everything's on an equal level of unusual i think this year we had quite a fun project the theme park alton towers had closed its haunted house ride for refurbishment and they were going to reopen it 
and it's called the Cursed Alton Manor. And they've got lots of kind of Victorian smells or smells that would be associated with the Victorian period. So coal fire and carbolic soap. And they were also bringing back some classic smells as well that used to be in the Haunted House ride so that people could have that nostalgic connection. And that was quite fun. Oh, and now that I think of it, also for Alton Towers, we brought back the alien egg nest recipe that we had in our archives because they had this ride that used an alien egg nest smell (laughs) before I worked for the company and then it closed and then they reopened it this year. So I was digging through the recipe book (laughs) looking for this formula and it's fun to have brought it back. (laughs) That's so so crazy. What does an alien nest smell like? Yeah, (laughs) it's Got, let me think. It smells a bit like a river and a, a river bank and grass, okay. which is intentional because normally for things that are meant to be gross, it's a gross scene in, at the theme park with loads of alien eggs everywhere. And normally I'd think to go for something that's a bit uh, rotten smelling or eggy. But yeah, where I spoke to the designer of this attraction back when he originally designed it, he was telling me that they chose this kind of grassy smell to make it smell organic, but also unfamiliar. So you'd be looking at these eggs and you wouldn't necessarily, because of the visual cues, you wouldn't really be thinking about grass. So having that organic smell in an unfamiliar environment kind of gives it a new identity, I suppose. Oh, cool. Oh, that's very thoughtful. Wow. That's so wild. (laughs) Yeah. When you mentioned earlier about how scents can be used for mood enhancement or mood manipulation, for instance, stoking trepidation or anxiety, like waiting in line for a roller coaster. I'm so curious how you guys determine the types of scents to get that intended effect. It's mostly based on experience, really, because I know that sometimes in aromatherapy, they say that this scent makes you relaxed and this one makes you go to sleep and this one makes you more lively. Mm -hmm. And we don't really have a a list of smells that do certain things. But from working on all these different projects, you can get an idea of what works in certain situations. An example of a roller coaster is the Wicker Man roller coaster at Alton Towers again. And this is a kind of fire-themed roller coaster. And it's got the smell of wood smoke in its pre-show room where you go just before you board the ride. And what's one of the reasons that is used is because at a theme park, we want to use smells that international guests are going to be familiar with, because sometimes people from different countries can react differently to certain smells, like what's yummy to, I think there was a study I was looking at, what's yummy to Americans is maybe smells like medicine to French people (laughs) and that kind of thing. So fire is a good kind of smell for a wide audience. But it's also one of those kind of ones that you might have a sort of primal fight or flight reaction to. If you smell fire, you might get a bit concerned oh my God. or you might you might start thinking. They're going memories. straight for the heart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you might uh, have memories of camping and maybe it's an exciting smell for you. Um, and the Wicker Man roller coaster is also made of wood. So if you're smelling smoke in this context... Um, it, it might be a bit concerning again, or not concerning, but makes you a bit uh, uh, apprehensive before you mm-hmm. board the roller coaster, which is what the, the theme park wants to build that, oh. that excitement. 
<laughs> yeah, we'll think of lots of in- individual elements like that. Is it a, a widely recognizable mm. smell? How are people going to react to it? Because we don't want it to be disgusting like in scare mazes. And right. we don't want people to be angry that they've been inflicted with this uh, repulsive smell, <laughs> even though it might get the desired effect. So there, there are lots of different elements we can think of. Wow. My sci-fi adult brain is now thinking like how smells probably going to be used secretly for population control or crowd control. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, part of me is like maybe I wouldn't hate that. Right. Of course the first thing you think of is like how could this be used for evil? <laughs> <laughs> you have to think about those things. Yeah. Because... Right. If someone asked me to come up with an evil plot to control the population, that would be exciting, I think. <laughs> It's our first collaboration. (laughs) (laughs) This is so cool. I I, like this is just such a different approach to scent than we usually hear about. And it's just like the antithesis of what a lot of our guests tell us. I don't know. It's just it's really interesting. How did you get into this side of the business? Maybe smell in general and then here. I always liked sniffing as a child and but I wasn't I didn't want to become a perfumer or anything or work in scent back when I was younger. And then I worked in animation. I did an animation degree. So I was interested in storytelling and design, which is what led me into attraction design. So I was working for escape rooms and then I started designing interactive features for museums and that kind of thing. And then being in the attractions industry, I knew that Aroma Prime existed and it had been recently purchased by a a new owner. And then it turned out the owner was more from a business background. So I approached him and asked if I could contribute my understanding of attraction design and storytelling so that I could advise the customers and help with scent development in terms of what might benefit the attractions and the experiences and the stories. And yeah, that was, I think that was maybe 2018 and I'm still there. So it's been lots of fun. (laughs) Very cool. It sounds fun. Yeah. That's so cool to you that you were just like, hey, I'm really good at this. Can I have a job here? (laughs) I I thought there was exciting potential in Aroma Prime. The fact that they had like over 500 horrible smells and nice smells (laughs) and unusual smells there used to all these exciting places. It was I thought there was a lot to play with there. Yeah, and it's worked out nicely. Yeah, now that you've mentioned that you have a background in animation, all the clues are clicking for me because you're publishing a children's book that incorporates smells into the reading experience. I feel like that's such a unique thing that when you explained it to us, I was like, oh, that's brilliant. Like, why hasn't anyone thought about this before? (laughs) There's probably a lot of challenges to, to having that done. Like, how do you like, can you just tell us that that process? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not like scratch and sniff even though that would be the dream. I've looked <laughs> I don't know if you've looked into scratch and sniff but it can be very expensive. <laughs> and so it's not smells on the pages, but the actual story involves smell quite heavily. It's called The Doomtown Dummies and it's about a girl who goes into a village of shop window dummies and she happens to have an ability called the second smell, which allows her to communicate with the dead through her sense of smell. Because in this world, (laughs) all souls have a smell. And so it's a very olfactory book in terms of the descriptions. And I wanted to use that as a way 
going through the story from the hero's perspective and seeing things from the perspective of, of smell, I wanted to hopefully influence the young readers to maybe think about perceiving the world through smell a bit more and thinking about the meanings of smells. So I made through Aroma Prime, we, we developed some smells that are based on different smells that appear in the book. And they come in the form of what are called aroma cubes, which are like uh, small handheld plastic cubes with little holes in the top that you can sniff. Um, so the idea is that hopefully they can be purchased so readers can sniff as they go through the story. Or I'm also taking them to events like schools and libraries so I can hand them out. And I've been to one already, one event, and the children kind of swarm around mm. the cube so they can take a <laughs> sniff. They get very excited, which is good. <laughs> Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I feel anytime there's a book with something something interactive about it, mm -hmm. that's the favorite book in the classroom. Totally. That's the one the kids fight over. <laughs> yeah, hopefully that will <laughs> be what happens. <laughs> that is so cool. So how do you think that scent can enhance storytelling in general? Like I mentioned, there's lots of different approaches and it depends on your intention. And a lot of the time, the way I think of it is like planning out a piece of music. If it's a Halloween scare maze, for example, you might want to take people on highs and lows of emotions. So you might start off with a smell that creates a false sense of security. Like there's one near London that uses, it's like a cinema scare maze. So there's a popcorn smell in the first room, which kind of makes you nice and comfortable, but it also makes you anxious like you you think oh this smells so lovely but I know that there are terrible things waiting ahead <laughs> so it's a bit confusing or you could trick people and have a nice smell and then it turns out the smell's coming from a rotting body or something and then you can take them on a journey so maybe there'll be a kind of a peak of conflict where you have a really powerful smell to evoke strong emotions and then at the end you might use a, a pleasant smell to give a sense of relief or you might use the powerful smell at the end if you want them to leave on a high. And you can adapt that approach into rides as well. Like there's a Snow White ride at Disneyland and they it sounds unimaginative, but they have an apple smell. And you go into the cottage and everyone's having a dance and you can smell the apples and it gives you lots of pleasant feelings and memories. And it, it's always good to start off on a make people feel happy, like a good first impression in the ride. But then when you leave the cottage and you've got those lovely feelings and the smell of apple in your nose, you turn the corner and it's all dark and you see the witch at the door with the, the poisoned apple that's going to kill Snow White. So suddenly the meaning of that smell completely changes mm. and oh. everything that you've been feeling is twisted upside down. So yeah, it, you, can, you can use smells to take people on an emotional journey like that and affect what they're thinking and feeling or quite try to influence it at least. Or you can just use smells to suggest things, to suggest context. There's a historical live theatre experience called the Edinburgh Dungeon, and you've got the London Dungeon as well. Mm -hmm. And you go into a courtroom and it, the judge seems very respectable, but you can smell whiskey in that room. So it adds a layer. If you notice it, it Ooh. adds an extra layer of intrigue and information as well. So oh my God. lots of tricks you can play to tell the stories in different ways oh that's, that's so, so cool funny yeah wow <laughs> yeah it's telling 
okay, so we're just repeating what you said, sorry, but me processing in real time. It's like telling a different part of the story or like telling a secret through the story subtext. through scent. Yeah, yeah, the subtext. Thank you. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when you are making a fragrance that's supposed to be scary or unsettling or gross, how do you know when it's finished? Which is a, a question that we've asked a lot of like perfumers and but when you're developing a scent that's not supposed to be pleasant, how do you know when you got it there without going like too far? I think normally you've, when it's a disgusting rancid stench um, that makes you want to vomit, you normally know when you've got there. <laughs> um, <laughs> just based on your own reaction. <laughs> it, it is a, an interesting topic around what is appropriate to, like I said earlier, inflict people with or inflict on people. So in a museum, for example, people might not be expecting smells at all, let alone horrible smells. And you've got to judge what the context is and whether the smell is appropriate for that context. The Imperial War Museum had recreated trenches from World War One, and lots of horrible smells are used in that. And that was acceptable because when people go into a theatrical set, they expect to encounter these things. But then in uh, a more traditional museum setting, you might have the smells under little lids or have little puffer mechanisms so that people have control over it and also so that the smell doesn't spread everywhere. And it's just the person that's choosing to access the smell who is the one accessing it. That's a great I was, for some reason in my head, I thought it was these like probably automatic sprayers in all the corners of the room like mm. an Abercrombie and Fitch store just like <laughs> inundating everybody <laughs> smothering everyone yes <laughs> yeah I, I think we get a lot of complaints <laughs> in a museum setting yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know I, I just got the idea that because smell is so closely tied to memory and I have also read somewhere that if you're studying for a test, for example, if you're in school and then you have a scent trigger like an orange, it will help you to memorize things. If you study, smell the orange, and then when you're taking the test, smell an orange. Oh. And then when you mentioned that you're writing a children's book, I was like, oh, wow, what a great way to incorporate smell into a learning process. Do you think that in the future you would ever write a educational book that incorporated smells? That is a good idea to incorporate into a book because I was thinking about next writing one about advising on the uses of smells in themed attractions. So using smell to help people remember the information is a, a nice idea. And actually, when you said that, I was reminded of a study from 1999 relating to the ability of smells to help people remember what they've learned at museums. And they have this place called Jorvik Viking Center, which is incredibly smelly. And they've got all sorts of like fish and cesspits and fires and goats. And they had people who had visited the museum on an average of six years previously. And they got them to sniff smells from the museum. And they found that the people sniffing the museum smells again, the very same smells, could remember the content of the museum better than participants Ooh. who were just who had visited but were just sniffing kind of uh, non-specific smells yeah there, there's lots of potential in that Ooh. that's so cool oh, well, well that reminds me of an episode of black mirror have you ever watched that show oh, yeah <laughs> there's i forget what episode it is it's like a woman accidentally commits a crime and then 
the investigator, the detective, who's trying to interview people who are potential witnesses at the scene. It took place near a beer factory. So she would have a bottle of the beer like during the interview <laughs> and open it and just say, just sniff this beer. So like your memories will come back from that moment. Me. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. I know, and I'm like, what cop is smart enough to do that? I'm interested just what idea came to you first, writing the book or incorporating smells? Or was it uh, a fully formed idea when you started in with it? It's just I, it's such a unique idea. And it seems to have come together so well that I'm interested how you got there. It started without smell. It was, what do people say? There's, uh, I get, uh, oh, a nosmic. Uh, I don't know if that's very pretty. Yeah, there are pe- I suppose when people can't smell, I think it's yes. called a nosmic. I don't yeah. think that applies to this thing. I was trying to think of a word for the absence of smell. But I, <laughs> anyway, it started without smell involved. It was just about this girl who goes to a creepy village of mannequins. But then when I started working for Aroma Prime and I started using smells for storytelling and I was just thinking about smells all the time, it became natural that smells would slide into the book and that the ghosts would have their own smells and and that smells would be used as a way of communicating. And Colette, she, the main character, she has this very keen sense of smell, so she sniffs around a lot and when she's trying to solve problems, she'll often sniff out the answer. So yeah, it's, it's Aroma Prime's fault that there's there's smells in the book. <laughs> but it it did feel like it happened naturally. When I, Maybe it happens for you when you're so involved in smells. I, I at least just think about things in terms mm-hmm. of smells a lot. Yeah. I always do because everything has a smell. Like even when it's like yeah. a non-smell, it's still a smell. Yeah, like even like the smell of paper or just like the air in a different room. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh my God, that just reminded me that... <laughs> Okay, I love scary movies. I don't love roller coasters. Like, I think just because scary movies are like a thing you watch and you don't have to interact with and potentially die. (laughs) So many scary movies with ghosts or religious or spiritual subtexts have, and I don't know like what research they've done, but they say like when there's satanic possessed spirits around, you'll know it because it starts to smell like rot, like just rot and decay. It's like, wow, I wonder where that lore is from. But part of me that? thinks that, yeah, like within in the context of a story or a book, wow, what a what an impactful way to introduce a, a villain or a conflict. <laughs> <laughs> I've got two thoughts that you've inspired. The first is relating to the book. The, there's this kind of ongoing smell that the main characters can smell in this village. And it's called, I called it the yellow smell because I didn't want it to have a specific kind of flavor that people mm-hmm. could imagine. And I wanted them to use that to, uh, I think I'm going into a spoiler, actually. Like, what was Uh-oh. the other thing I was going to say? <laughs> oh, yeah, the ghost stories. So, yeah, with the idea of a ghost smelly of rot when they appear, there have been instances of smells being used for ghost stories in that a smell would be introduced early on in the story. So it might be a girl who would sell matches and then she died in a sulfur accident or something. And then the story would progress and eventually the smell of sulfur, for example, would be spread among the audience. And in the verbal story, there wouldn't be any mention of a ghost appearing, but you'd get whispers among the audience. Oh no, can you smell that? And they realize that maybe the ghost is present. So 
I suppose that's kind of an instance of the idea that you were just describing being used in an experience. That's so crazy. I'm thinking of all sense as like a form of ghost. (laughs) 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 I think I just spooked myself. (laughs) So when when the Doomtown Dummies gets optioned into a feature film, do you see this same sort of concept getting used in other mainstream art forms, whether it is film or stage? Can this be used in the same sort of way? Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I was talking, what, one of the editors for the book was saying that she, she, she thought it couldn't get a movie because the idea of people communicating through smell, uh, she didn't think it could be done visually. But then that I thought that I took it as a challenge and I think uh, it could be exciting to think about how you could represent communication through smell in a, a visual and audio means. And I was thinking like maybe subtitles or dubbing, but dubbing that's been explained. It might be easier in a theatre, like in a real life context, because then you could use actual smells. And I suppose that could be fun because the audience could interpret as to what the ghost is saying Hmm. based on their own interpretation of the smell. Lots of potential there. That's a good question, a good idea. That reminds me of, I think in the 60s, they tried to make smellovision a thing in movie theaters but they found that if they just kept pumping sense individual sense into the theater at once eventually they just mash together and it smells it doesn't smell like what it's supposed to right yeah i remember like a former guest they did vr scent technology okay so you would wear the you know the vr goggles and it had a little extension that was a scent it would like spray waft like a very faint little waft of a scent under your nose that was so faint that it would dissipate when you exhaled. So I see like maybe that's I don't know, maybe that technology could be used for turning your book into a movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. On the topic of VR, there is someone co- maybe it's the same person or I know a few people are working on smells of VR, but there's someone called Jazz Brooks who was working on an academic research project with VR where they used smells that kind of alerted the nerves in your nose to give the illusion of different temperatures. So in the snowy scene in the VR, there was like a minty smell that gave a cold sensation in your nose and convinced you that you were feeling cold, even though it was just the smell. And then chili pepper to give that spicy effect (laughs) when you're by the fireplace. That's so Which crazy. I thought was interesting. Yeah. It's a little risky, chili pepper under Right, <laughs> right. It's maze. Well, <laughs> I, th- I think it was artificial. I'm not yeah. sure. <laughs> I feel like we've just covered so, know, yeah. so much in, in our conversation just so naturally. And yeah. I, Wait, this... tell us when your book comes out. Yeah. It's out on the 19th. So on Tuesday, the 19th of September. Awesome. Oh, is that this Tuesday? That's this coming Tuesday. And yeah. is it worldwide or is it like UK release first? Yeah, it will be available online everywhere. Awesome. Hell so yeah. You can just I love the internet. In the right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was yeah. thinking that earlier. There's so much that I couldn't be doing right now if it weren't for the internet. Including the show. <laughs> Thank God. <Yes. laughs> if you were a ghost, what would you smell like? Oh my God. That's an incredible question. <laughs> oh, man. I hope I would smell good. Like you would. Nice. I hope I would smell just like a gauzy, comforting, like a comfort blanket. Although, I don't know. Maybe by the time I'm a ghost, the reason I'm a ghost is because I've turned evil. 
maybe I'll smell like something terrifying. I don't know. <laughs> Can you change your smell if you're a ghost is what I want to know. Or do you have to commit to the smell? No, I think you are. I think your smell is what you're destined to smell like for eternity. Oh, yeah, I think you're right. It's like you smell like what you died doing. <laughs> wow. <laughs> now I have to think about how I would ostensibly die with what it's like. I'm just like crushed by my fragrance cabinet. Literally. It falls right. on me and I just, the smell of every perfume everywhere. I could see it. That's a feasible way for both that's of a, us to go. That's such like a dark comedy way for us to go. <laughs> for real. I drilled my fragrance shelf into the wall for a reason. That is very smart. That's very smart. My entire apartment is uneven. So yeah. I put it up and it was rocking and I said, oh no, I know how this ends. All of those, I don't know, but like rail, railroad. railroad buildings are like that. They're yeah. all slanted one way or another. I don't know why, but I was like, guys, you got to figure out this flooring situation. Literally. Even when they put up my blinds, my blinds and my curtains, they were both people were like, you know, this entire apartment's not even right. And I was like, yes, I don't care. Oh yeah. Same with my building. Which is not railroad, but still pre-war. Nothing really makes sense. Everything has sank. Every wall is a different size. <laughs> Somehow the math checks out. Right. We're in a house of leaves. If I were a ghost, I think I would smell like love don't be shy or Specific. a version of it. Okay. A marshmallow cloud. Mm -hmm. I a think sexy that's how, marshmallow cloud. Yes. I just think that's how my spirit would smell. Every time you haunt someone, everyone's like, oh, my God, what is that? I'm filled with... Did you have a woman here? Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where is she? <laughs> I'm filled with an, like, foreboding sense of doom, but it smells really good. <laughs> I feel like I would be not an evil ghost, but I would fuck with people. No, I wouldn't. I would just float through walls and fly. Yeah. I would definitely... I don't know. i just gaslight everybody. That's true. Play little tricks on them. <laughs> Sable, I always feel like I'm being gaslit. Yep. Also, Sable, I would gaslight people if I was dead. It's like, you know what they say? Hurt people hurt people. That's <laughs> <laughs> how the generational trauma goes on. <laughs> Thank you, Liam. For Thank you so much, Liam. joining us. He joined us from the UK and he was six hours ahead. So it's his Saturday evening and we yes. appreciate him taking the time. Yeah. And go, I'm really interested in his book. Me too. If you want... I'm just imagining all these little children being like, give me the cube. No, you've had the cube already. I right. want it. It's my turn. Right. Also, his handle on Instagram is Liam R. Findlay, F-I-N-D-L-A-Y. And you can get a preview of his book. And it's all just like really fucking cool. Also, he made a stop motion animation a pre preview for it. Damn. It's all so neat. So check it out there and then buy his book. Support the arts or whatever. I feel like at our age, like, you definitely know a child. You I, know somebody's child. I hope child. not. We know <laughs> somebody, Julian. Yeah, exactly. Our mascot. We know Julian. <laughs> Julian, you're getting a smell book. <laughs> <laughs> Julian, get ready to smell. <laughs> I'm going to do it and I'm not going to fuck it up this okay. time. Okay. If you like what you heard, which you did because you're at the end of this episode with us, you can <laughs> visit our website at smellulator.live to drop us a line. You can leave us a voice note, which we love. You can buy our very plush merch. You can leave us five stars on Apple Podcast or on Spotify when they ask you a little question. You can follow us on Instagram at smellulator.mp3. I did it right. Oh my gosh. Play. You can follow me. I'm at Tynan Buck. 
And I'm at Sabletooth Tigra. And until next time, we will smell, smell you, you later. later.